tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. In done through branches of the consolidated banks across the country. We shall be keeping an eye on this development story to give you updates as and when we do have them. In the meantime, do log on to my joy online for the full list of finance companies in good standing according to the Bank of Ghana. You're still listening to the Joy Business Report. Uh, two other stories now where all SMEs and startup businesses in Ghana and across the continent are to be considered in the next phase of a drug policy to facilitate the smooth implementation of the African continent free trade agreement. There have been concerns that smallholder businesses could be outpriced from the agreement, especially in Ghana, where 70 to 80% of them face credit challenges. But speaking at a press engagement by the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa, UNECA, coordinator of the African Trade Policy Center, David Luke, says some special arrangements have been drafted to deal with this issue. The agreement itself provides uh, for um, the protection of uh, infant uh, industries um, uh, and uh, and these sorts of enterprises. Uh, uh, so and, and they're excluded from uh, subsidies, uh, you know. <clears throat> excuse me, and, and you know that kind of support from from government. So the agreement does have some provision to support. Um, startups, uh, infant industries, uh, SMEs. But clearly the um, bigger part of the support has to come from uh, has to come from domestic uh, sources as opposed to what the agreement uh, says. But in any event, the point here is that the agreement is taking this into account. Coordinator of the African Trade Policy Center for UNECA, Dr. David Luke. Now, Minister for Trade and Industry, Alan Tremantin, has charged local authorities to extend support to private sector businesses undertaking the One District, One Factory project across the country. According to him, the provision of basic amenities like roads and utilities should be the mandate of the investors. The minister made the remarks as he commissioned 1,500 metric tons capacity steel manufacturing factory and that the one district, one factory initiative. The government also provides an interest subsidy to support the 1D1F company. At the district level, the metropolitan and district assemblies are required as a matter of policy to support 1D1F companies in extending infrastructure facilities to support 1D1F projects. And that was the Minister for Trade and Industry, Alan Tremantin. Now, car washing business in Ghana was formerly the preserve of the young and unemployed. However, over time, the trade has evolved with additional innovations which began with a semi and full automation. But what does this mean for the manual car washing service? Let's find out more in our business journal. Buckets of water some soap and a duster may seem enough as a starter pack for a good car wash, right? Well, with technological innovation, car washing has moved a notch higher. That's the sound of a car going through an automated washing tunnel, which provides additional cleaning services including drying, blowing, 
vacuuming and waxing. In a matter of 5 to 10 minutes, a dirty car can be turned sparkling clean. This may seem as a dream come true for drivers. However, for manual car washing services, the same cannot be said. Emmanuel Jekum has been washing cars manually for the past 18 years. With a water hose, his set of brushes and dusters, he has managed to earn a living from the business. With a charge of 10 CDs per car wash, he has been able to buy a taxi, which now earns him extra income. The gradual creeping of the automated car wash business is a bother to Emmanuel, as he fears it might gradually attract his customers. The automated car wash business will be a bother to me. Car washing has helped me so much that I now own a taxi. This will really affect business. Shadrach Mankwa is like Emmanuel, but fairly new to the business. He shares similar views as this business salvaged him from financial constraints after a failed profession as a security man. Customers, when they come here, they used to tell us that there is a some automatic machine be around. Maybe when the cars go there, they used to watch it fast. You see, once the machine is there and the car itself enter and it wash it, I, it's only a little work that will come on the car. So, so do you feel threatened? Yeah, I feel threatened because that is the work I'm doing for now. If there's no this work, there's no anywhere for me. But we found out that it's likely the Shadrach and Emmanuel's business may not be affected by the automated car business, as some drivers and car owners still prefer manual car wash to the automated one for its benefits. They wash it well and fast. Those car, uh, how do you call it? The machine ones is seven cities. Um, and uh, the way they wash it, Something fast, 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 and it's not that clean. But these guys, they wash it well. That's what. I can use my hand to move all the machine, to move all the dirt inside the car. Uh, man, if, if you could be a, if, 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 if I bought the car, I spend only uh, 10 seats on it. So a man can cost me maybe 50 Ghana going. Then I because I need, I, I, I need needs. I want my car to be need. If somebody stop me and hear that, oh, driver, your car is need to, and I feel happy. Evolution or not, one thing still remains that these men will continue to do their best to stay on top in their car washing business. Albert Abisius report for Joy Business. Well, well, and that's how we end this edition of the Joy Business Report with me, Charles Ayati. The top stories in Namibia and Namibia announced the suspension of its operations and receiver for 23 collapsed financial institutions begin payment of validated claims. For more news, you log on to our website myjoyonline.com forward slash business. In the meantime, George Addo Jr. comes up next with the locker room this day. Where are you? Postman. I'm at the bank. Really? But your car is in front of your house. Bro, my bank or my phone, Charlie. Oh, how? Ecobank, bro. With Ecobank Mobile App, I can do everything, anywhere, anytime. Listen, I just checked my account balance, paid Amazon school fees, and sent money to my grandma at Walwale. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Masa, just download the Ecobank Mobile App from the Google Play Store or the App Store or dial star 770 hash and be your own bank manager. Manager, manager. Whether to pay bills or fees, to check account statements, send money across Ghana, abroad, and more. Ecobank Mobile App has got it covered. Ecobank Mobile, making everyday people live everyday lives the Ecobank way.
Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank. For all your sports news in the locker room. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. Continental football action is back on the radar this weekend and Ghana's two representatives are back at it. All needing convincing wins to survive the next stage of the CAF Interclubs competitions. Pressure, you know, all, all of you guys ask about pressure. The pressure is uh, we put on ourselves, uh, how we perform. That is our main goal and our focus. Where the result will be uh, better. He'll say the Stadium to motivate the guys. The guys are ever ready, first of all, to secure the qualification and secondly, also to um, offer that kind of uh, brand of football that Asante Gold is looking for in recent time. Asante Kotoko need to overturn the 3-2 deficit against Kano Pillars in the CAF Champions League first round at the Babayara Sports Stadium on Sunday. And Ash Gold will attempt same against Akonangui FC in Oboase for a chance in the CAF Confederations Cup second leg. We have analysis ahead. Also coming up, Callahan Jose Callion who takes the corner. Koulibaly! He's done it! Kalidou Koulibaly for Napoli! It's with Isco. Cuts it into the middle. Oh, towards Ronaldo. Instinctive. First time finish. It's taken less than three minutes. Cristiano Ronaldo yet again. Plays the pass, but it's gone in the way of Romelu Lukaku. And Lukaku can make it goal number one. And he does! And Juventus double their lead. Pjanic from the spot for the second time in the game. The old lady of Italian football seek a ninth consecutive title as prime football returns to Rome this weekend. But the ambition is threatened by a former coach. Will Inter Milan's Antonio Conte force Mauricio Sarri into checkmate? We have a special preview to the brand new Italian Serie A season. The French League A, La Liga and the German Bundesliga. In England, March Day 3 presents a blockbuster between Premier League champs wannabes and the ambitious not London club. Corner towering header. Prince Joel Matip. And then followed in by Salah. Liverpool make it three. Lacazette rolls it infield to Chaka on his left foot. Shoots from distance. Take a deflection into the net. De Gea was wrong-footed. He moved to his left and the ball flew past him to the right. And Arsenal have an early lead. 1-0. Liverpool welcome Arsenal to Anfield, hoping to avoid another footballing lesson from the Messi siders. Gunners were sent to the cleaners last season and we ask if the approach will change. We have a full preview of the English Premier League games to come this weekend. If you'd love to send us your comments, we will love to hear from you via social media accounts on Facebook, joy slash 9.7 
Our WhatsApp line 0244-340437. Same on Instagram or tweet at us at JoySportsGH. We'll be in France to keep tabs on the IAAF Diamond League and we'll be at Flashing Meadows to preview the upcoming US Open. You are listening to The Locker Room and Joy 99.7 FM. Hello from me, George Ander Jr. And welcome to Preview Friday. Great show here on Joy 99.7 FM. We need to hear from you on our WhatsApp line 0244 340437. That's where we start from. Second edition of First Take is on on Joy 99.7 FM later this evening at the Labadi Beach Hotel. Uh, we'll be joined definitely by First National Bank and you need to tune in. But there's a quick one as a result of some transmission works being carried out by the NC on behalf of Joy FM. You are cherished listener, of course. We'll experience some intermittent breaks in our broadcast between 1 p.m. Of course, now and 3 p.m. today. We sincerely apologize for any inconvenience. I really need you to understand this. So don't tamper with your radios uh, when you go off or when it feels like we've gone off. We're still here with you. All will be sorted after 3 p.m. For those of you on then, grab your phones. 0244-340-437. We'll see you later tonight. But we have to start on the continental face. And Kamasia Santa Cotico, welcome Kanopilis to the Barbera Stadium on Sunday. In a bid to overturn the deficit in the return leg of the CAF Champions League prelims first leg. Now, the Porcupine Warriors need to win this game because they lost in the first leg by three goals to two in Nigeria a fortnight ago. So let's get into the camp issues right now. And joining me on the line, Kelvin Owusu, who is in Kamasi and has been monitoring every bit of the team's training as they get ready. Thank you very much, Kelvin, for your time. Is it safe, really, to say that in the last 13 days, Kumasi and Santa Cotico have had enough exercises to right the wrongs in Nigeria? Thank you very much, George. And um, the team um, have uh, been preparing since they touched down in Kumasi from the first uh, leg in uh, Nigeria. Well, you can say it's been ample time for a little over 10 days for them to make sure they correct their mistakes. I think it will be enough for any professional team ahead of the second leg against um, a team they played and they lost narrowly three goals to two away and coming back uh, to their home grounds back at their fortress um, it would be enough um, days but you ask yourself could um, Zeto Zakarasen came into the team with a little over um, do I say three weeks to prepare the team for uh, the CAF Champions League so you'd, you'd, you'd want to see him he's still trying to adjust to the set of, uh, the number of players he has and then the best squad to pick available uh, for the game. So, but I feel that uh, after seeing a number of um, uh, training sessions and then uh, looking at how they are preparing towards the game, they seem to be working so much on uh, the deficiencies in the team and should be ready enough to make sure that they have a very perfect game on Sunday. Yeah, we know the Canopilers have already been speaking and speaking loudly. You know, uh, they were absolutely resilient in that first leg back at home. How much of a threat do they carry in Sunday's game? Well, certainly they do. They do pose a major threat uh, for Kumasi Asante, especially from their central attacking areas, where they seem to be having um, the the putting strikers. Um, it, 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 in the first leg, they couldn't have um, their top, uh, their topmost um, uh, players. Uh, a number of them had 
to pick up injuries late into um, the game, uh, late into the night ahead of the game on um, uh, in Kano. But uh, they, they, they have all their players back and look at them, they have a very solid defensive unit. And with that energy, they played in the final 20 minutes to make sure that they came back from two goals to one down to beat us at 12 3 2. It tells you the sort of resilience they carry. But their major strength lies in their central midfield area and central defensive area where they seem to be rock solid. That's why I'm about getting goals from uh, the set pieces. They, they, they barely gave protocol opportunities to uh, create um, chances through their central midfield and their uh, central defensive unit. So that is where they hold their strength. But I feel that with their fullbacks um, limiting their runs almost every now and then in their game, they seem to be um, not ready to join the attacks. That is where probably Santikos can be capitalized on and work out their um, uh, goal-scoring opportunities from that point. But aside that, I feel that the major worry for Santikos is to how to break that midfield and central defense rock of Canopilet. We're looking to get that result against Cano Pires, which is all important. They have to make the next stage of the CAF Champions League. So, Kelvin, what have you been learning about the personnel available for the game with respect to Kumasiya Santa Kotoko and who is likely to start for Coach Zakariasen? Well, there shouldn't be any major changes, George, uh, from the first leg. I'm sure that uh, Coach Zetel Zakariasen will want to stick with uh, his first level that he played in Cano. But um, if there should be any changes, I feel that back at home when you need the results. Uh, a left-back even so also doesn't add too much promise when he moves up front. Probably Patrick Yeboah, who is better when going forward, um, may slot into a place um, that is even so also. And in midfield, um, remember the last game when Godfrey Siaba came on, uh, he created a lot of uh, very good uh, runs uh, through the middle to open up spaces for runs for um, Richard Arthur. And I'm looking at if there should be any changes from the coach, he should come in for some more firm points so that he could work through the midfield. But um, that aside, I don't think that there should be any major changes to the team that play against um, that, uh, Canopolis in the first leg. So, um, Felix Sanan in fourth, you have um, that is um, Empem Da Costa, Steven Aiku, and then Wahab Adams. Um, Patrick Yabua, I would feel that he should play ahead of Ivan Sousu at left back. You still have Ivano Jemfi, Kelvin Matthew, Andor, Justice Blay, Goffrey Siaba coming in for some of the points that uh, sticking with the attacking pair of Richard Atta and Georgia Vega. Kelvin Owusu will be at the game. Kumasiya Santikoroko versus Kano Peles at the Babayara Stadium on Sunday. Kelvin, thank you very much for your time as always on the show. You're always welcome, Josh. Kelvin there with the analysis and we'll be finding out what happens in the game. Update here on Joy 99.7 FM. Let's quickly move away then and talk about the CAF Confederations Cup prelims. And Ashanti Gold have an important day then with Equatoguinean side are going to GUI FC who ensured a 1-1 draw in the first leg in the BBing. So what will be the approach of the Boise side and what really are the genuine chances of making it through? Africa football expert joins me on the line, Nuhu Adams. And Nuhu, ask Gold's draw away looked good in context but how much of a missed opportunity was it for the miners who could have easily nicked a win and very much in their power well um a win a win in a baby in equatorial guinea would have sealed the victory for ashanti good but one one is equally a very good scoreline for ashanti good all they need is to make sure they get a win any form of win they get at the wasling list posted on saturday it's a victory fast good and they'll progress to the next round so I'm monitoring the team. I'm looking at how they've been training so far. I think 
they, they are very, very poised for action on Saturday. There, there are 23 players in camp at, at the moment, and all the players are in good shape, 100% fit. And I think um, Ricardo de Arrocha will, 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 will just deploy a very good tactic to make sure his team will win on Saturday and progress to the next round. Well, good stuff then. Let's talk about Akunangui FC. And a lot of people in Ghana expect Ashanti Gold to really get over this on Saturday. That's fine. But how can they hit Ashanti Gold FC in, in Saturday's game? Well, Akunangui FC, yes, they are an unknown side in, in African football. But there's no way Ashgood are going to underrate them. Um, Ashgood knows what happens to most big clubs in Africa when they, they become complacent. So... Ashgood are actually making sure they beat and beat Akunangui very, very well. Akunangui FC, um, it's, it's, it's a top side in Equatorial Guinea. They have two, three players who are part of the national team. So that should tell you the quality they are possessing. And I think um, they, they will make sure they, 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 they win through the midfield. But um, Ashgood um, will never allow such a thing to happen. Looking at... Um, the best footballers of Ashanti Gold, Abdul Latif and Abila, James Akam and Co, and the Brazilian, um, Marco Aurelio Silva Damasino. I think Ashgood have the quality, they have everything ahead of Akunangui FC, and that, that should be an advantage for Ashanti Gold on Saturday. Right, Nuhu, then let's talk about the personnel available. I mean, who is Inoa for Ash Gold, and what will be your predicted starting 11, keeping close tabs on what Kodarush has been doing so far? Yeah, monitoring um, Coach Ricardo Daroke's um, trainings. Um, I think he was going in for the same lineup um, he used to play in Equatorial Guinea. But yesterday, um, at one of the sessions, um, striker Mark Edokum got a knock and he was replaced by um, Kofi Nkrumah. So probably that could be the only change in the in the in the team. So we will be having Frank Boatin in post, Kodam Wakwa the right back, the left back. Is going to be his dunk the central defensive pair will be Richard Osajman and Yusuf Mubarak. The midfield will have three three men Abdul Latif and Abila, James Akam and Kuhn, then Marco Aurelio Damasino Silva. Then attack, we have Amos Ade, Safi Umumuni, and Amos Kofi Nkrumah. These are the probable 11. If there should be any changes, I think it's going to be only one. Um, Mark Ejekumu recovering from the slight injury he picked yesterday could make in come into the lineup, but as at the moment, this is the the, the, the predicted eleven for Ashgood on Saturday. Well, Nuhu, before you go, you know there's no end of the show without congratulating you on your latest appointment, a key member of the communication team of Ashgold. How excited are you? And what should we be looking forward to? Um, already, I must say the expectations are high in terms of your input when it comes to the communication side of Ashgold. Well, it's 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 a big honor. Um, it's a privilege to work for. A club like Ashanti Gold, um, we will try and do our best to make sure we get the club to the level it deserves. Um, many people are expecting us to, to do well, and I, I, I can promise we will do our possible best to make sure we, we, we help the club grow. Nice and short. Uh, just overview, uh, the little chat we've had around, we know that it should be straightforward in terms of what is up for us in the CAF Confederations Cup and even the Champions League, you know, preliminary rounds. But just a quick one on the Otoyo Mamelodi Sundown situation. I mean, how dangerous can that get for Sundowns? They're going back to play at home, of course, after losing the first leg. Do you think that's the point where there could be a big surprise? 
Well, um, that game is, 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 is the biggest factor in the preliminary round. Yes, I told you, you um, it's, 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 it's an unknown side, the Aminos on the on African football. But if you look at the kind of team they are, they are, they are, they are possessing, look, if you look at the, the kind of team they are building, um, you can't write off Oto Dioyu. I remember last season, they were the team that eliminated um, Premier Odio goes to after reaching semi-finals of the Cup Champions League previously. Um, Oto Dioyu made sure they eliminate um, Premier Odio goes to in the first round of the Cup Champions League qualification. So, um, it should, every team playing against Oto Dioyu will have it at the back of their mind that they are not a tip side. And I think having a 2-1 advantage going to um, South Africa to play Mamelodi Sundowns, they have the advantage now. What Mamelodi Sundowns will have to do now is get a goal and make sure Otoyo Duo will not score. But looking at Otoyo Duo, they have a very good team. They have um, one, two, three players who are part of the Congolese national team. They have um, one other player who is also playing for the Niger national team. So that should tell you the kind of team they, they, they are having. But I think Mamelodi Sundowns is also having that quality. We quite remember last season they they, they, they had to beat El Ali 5-0 in the Cup Champions League along the line. So this is a team. Uh, if they have their day, they can beat Otoro Duyo not less than three or more goals. But this is African football. There are so many surprises in there. So Otoro Duyo will probably make sure they, they, they cause one of the miracles in African football on Saturday. But I think Mamelodi's announced they look favorite. They have the advantage looking at the history and what they've done in African football so far. But Otoro Duyo are, now, are not going to be pushover. Thank you very much. Nuhu Adams will be at the Obosil and Clay Stadium on Saturday to watch the game between Ash Gold and the Equator Guinean side of Gonangui FC. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, George. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. More football in The Locker Room. Let's hear from you on our line, 0244340437. Yes, we'll be really good to hear from you. But don't worry, at least if you, you have a problem with the radio going off and on, do not tamper with your radios. It's because um, works are being carried out now by the NC on behalf of Joy FM. It's going to be running till now. I mean, from now till 3 p.m. And so you don't need to be tampering with your radios. All will be fine in a few hours. And now, though, let's talk about the English Premier League. The game to come this weekend. Liverpool, Arsenal, right up there. Chelsea fans are looking for the first win. Yeah, they're up against Norwich. Uh, we've got Manchester United up against Crystal Palace. What a game. Wan-Bissaka will be looking forward to then. But I had a wonderful chat with the BBC's Rob Schofield and the Joy Sports BBC two-way series. Enjoy this. Thanks for our time this weekend, and let's begin with the action in midweek involving Manchester United and Wolves. Paul Pogba missed a penalty like any player does, but the criticism after that has been scathing at worst. Does that explain the kind of pressure the young man is under at United? Oh, for sure, and Pogba is obviously a huge name, a huge Premier League icon, and, and when he makes high-profile errors... It makes the news, but obviously what was very, very disagreeable here in this country was the 
online racial abuse that, that was directed at, at Paul Pogba. Now, it actually led to s- multiple Manchester United players like Harry Maguire and Marcus Rashford coming out and asking for the social media company to, to stop this and find a way around these issues. Now, Twitter itself actually did meet with Manchester United as well as the British anti-racism campaign here in, in football in this country, Kick It Out. And this is because the, Pogba became the third player in a week to become race, to, to be racially abused on, on social media after that penalty miss. So, you know, the, Twitter said it would meet with the stakeholders and try and get some proactive work done to tackle these abuse. But this is the murky and, and horrible side of social media that it's so difficult to, you know, find uh, ways around these issues and and legalise these things. And I suppose that. The media attention is no surprise, but but this is something that a footballer and anyone, obviously, in in, in any line of work or life, should not have to, to put up with. But um, what I thought was was more alarming, I suppose, is is how this is just happening week on week uh, over in this country, and you know these are issues which seem to have obviously not gone away. But I think the the issues of social media is very difficult um, to, to find workarounds and and find a way to tackle this this issue. That said, how disturbing was Olegana Social's response on designated penalty takers of the team? Now, this was bizarre, wasn't it? Because Olegana Solskjaer came out and said he's got two designated penalty takers, Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford, and whoever feels the most confident on the day can take the penalty. Now, uh, this is a strange approach. Now, I'm all for young players, and especially this ilk of manager, Olegana Solskjaer, similar to... Gareth Southgate, I suppose, with with the England national team in in wanting his young players to take responsibility and step up and make decisions for themselves. But penalty taking is a different matter altogether because this is an issue where it shouldn't come down to who's feeling most confident on the day. This should come back to numbers, stats, figures. And Marcus Rashford had scored all his penalties for Manchester United in in, uh, the recent ones he's taken, whereas Paul Pogba had missed four last season. And he's changed his run-up, his entire approach, his stance. Remember those stuttered uh, steps that Paul Pogba used to take before taking a a penalty? He's completely got rid of that because uh, goalkeepers were beginning to read what he was doing. And I just think this reflected very, very poorly on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who obviously the critics are are looking at and, and trying to find little uh, chinks in his armour and, and areas of which his inexperience as a manager might be proven and this arguably was one of them because I think, you know, Solskjaer's response, even if it was genuine, if he he, he was, he, you know, many thought he was just covering for Paul Pogba by trying to make out that, that either him or Rashford could, should, could take it, but even if this is his genuine explanation for this I don't think it's a good one, and I think Solskjaer needs to pick his penalty taker. That should probably be Marcus Rashford for his record and stick to it. Let's talk then the blockbuster of the weekend and hopefully another goals galore, but evenly distributed on the pitch at Anfield. As Arsenal visit Liverpool, are you convinced Arsenal will produce a better performance and result? Better performance, yes. Uh, I think the result won't be quite as harsh. I expect uh, Liverpool to, to still win this uh, incredible home record at Anfield. We mustn't forget. But as you mentioned, George, this is the highest scoring fixture in Premier League history. And the two teams with 100% records uh, after two match days uh, in the Premier League. Really, really looking forward to this. I think Arsenal look fresh. I don't think they're the finished article whatsoever. I think there's a lot of work still to be done there still slightly top heavy in my opinion but I think the additions and everyone rightly so uh, has uh, has praised Arsenal for a fantastic end to the transfer window we heard from uh, an interview from 
uh, Josh Cronke, one of the uh, board members at Arsenal now, and about how they had to really step up their recruitment campaign after losing uh, to Chelsea in the Europa League final and not be having Champions League football. Well, they've gone away, they've restructured things, they were very quiet to begin with, but then they got those deals over the line. Kieran Tierney is a fantastic addition. I wonder whether we'll see him this weekend. I know he took part in full training uh, this week, uh, and also uh, David Luiz coming in there. Questionable addition, but I think he will end up being a, a good one. Exactly what they need, some experience, some leadership back there uh, to play alongside Socrates in, in that back line and then of course you've got Danny Ceballos adding a little bit more uh, flair in midfield after Aaron Ramsey's departure and uh, well we're all looking forward to seeing more of Nicolas Pepe aren't we on the wing a fantastically dynamic player I think Arsenal uh, looking a lot stronger going into this game compared to last season Lampard's Chelsea and search of their first win in the Premier League after playing so well in Coates in the last few games well will the clash against Norwich provide Lampard the platform to win well, in theory, yes, uh, Norwich are a newly promoted side and Chelsea will be favourites, of course, but Norwich fantastically performing so far this season. And in Timu Puki, they've got the striker, the, the, the Finnish striker, joint top scorer in the league so far with four goals. His hat-trick against Newcastle, extremely impressive. He's just the kind of instinctive striker. And, and how many times do we say it? Teams down there at the bottom who are newly promoted, if they've got a, a, an avenue to get goals, that's, uh, that's almost enough isn't it to keep uh, teams up nowadays if they can if you've got a goal scorer who can get 15 in a season that really will make a lot of difference it's at the back though where Norwich uh, need to tighten up uh, Newcastle did get a, a consolation game in that uh, 3-1 defeat uh, at, uh, away there and, and I think for Norwich they need to kind of keep things tight but um, if, if Chelsea don't win this game I think there will be increasing talks over Lampard's start I personally thought they'd get off to a brilliant start under Lampard I thought the feel good factor would be back I thought the, the players would be extremely motivated to go and play for, for such a club legend, but I think they've been extremely unlucky. I thought performances, at least in the first half against Manchester United Old Trafford, were very positive. They played a brilliant Super Cup against Liverpool, just narrowly on the wrong end of that result there. They really, really need a win here to, uh, to Chelsea. So let's end with the other games to come in the English Premier League, and I'm sure one or two will catch your attention this weekend, including Manchester United versus Crystal Palace. What are the others? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting, isn't it, to see how Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Manchester United's new right-back, uh, plays against his uh, old club. Crystal Palace looking a little bit all over the place at the moment. Uh, Wilfred Zaha's mind clearly not quite uh, in uh, in the football side of things at the moment. He clearly wanted to leave Crystal Palace. Roy Hodgson dug his heels in, it, dug his heels in should I say, and, and kept their star player. But, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing how Manchester United perform there. I think uh, the game between... Uh, Manchester City and Bournemouth will be uh, interesting on Sunday. I'm just so interested to see if if Raheem Sterling can continue this uh, red-hot form. He just looks like he's adding things to his game season on season now, doesn't he? He's my pick to be player of the year, the Manchester City uh, winger. And again, Tottenham, I think, will be interesting against Newcastle United. Newcastle have got a good record uh, against Tottenham, but obviously Tottenham now in their new stadium. But I think uh, Newcastle need to show a little bit more bites, otherwise uh, pressure is going to mount on Steve Bruce very, very quickly. We know what it can be like. Uh, at Newcastle when things start going wrong but I'm interested again to see how these new signings can bed in I want to see a little bit more from Ryan Sessegnon if he can get on the pitch for, for Tottenham and Giovanni Lo Celso as well uh, will be very very interesting to watch uh, there in, in a Spurs shirt Live on radio live online this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr.
And it's Jose Callion who takes the corner. Koulibaly! He's done it! Calidou Koulibaly for Napoli! It's with Isco, puts it into the middle. Oh, towards Ronaldo, instinctive first-time finish. It's taken less than three minutes. Cristiano Ronaldo yet again. Plays the pass, but it's gone in the way of Romelu Lukaku. And Lukaku can make it goal number one, and he does! And Juventus double their lead. Pjanic from the spot for the second time in the game. Let's talk the Italian Serie A with a lot of emphasis on whether Inter Milan can make a strong case for the Scudetto this year. With experienced Antonio Conte in charge, Serie A begins this weekend, we know, and we need no reminder. Eight consecutive Scudetti there for Juventus. Over 90 points in each of the last four seasons, they seemingly look unstoppable. But Juventus have dominated Italian football in recent years. However, that's the club's limited success in the Champions League highlight their lack of competition in the Serie A. Now, joining me for some analysis is the Italian football analyst Marco Di Onofrio. Thanks, Marco, for your time. And with increasingly more money being injected into the division, which of Italy's chasing pack can finally put an end to the old lady's hold over Italian football? Well, I'm so excited for this year because I really do believe that the old lady can and will be caught. As shocking as that sounds and as crazy as that sounds, I really do believe that both Napoli and Inter are going to make this a really, really exciting campaign and, and going to keep it close with Juventus till the end. And we're going to see the first three-horse Scudetto race in a long time. Uh, when you look at Inter under Antonio Conte, I think that they fought, they got the perfect manager for their situation right now. They need somebody who's going to go in there, lay down the law, and, and kind of restore some pride. And that's exactly what Antonio Conte does. I mean, people forget how bad Juventus were before he got there, right? That was a team that finished back, that finished seventh in back-to-back seasons. Uh, and they went up against a, a good Milan side at the time in a Scudetto battle and won. Uh, and they went undefeated in that season and, and nearly won the, the double. Um, and so when you look at what he's going to do with Inter, you're already seeing him leave his mark and kind of make a stamp on this club because uh, we see Lukaku was brought in. Alexis Sanchez is on his way. Borel is on his way. Uh, he's made no bones about it. You know, Ningalan had no place for on this club despite what the team spent to get him last year. Um, he was gone. Uh, same with Mario Cardi. We see what's going on there and he's got all the talent in the world but Conte doesn't want him playing for this team. Uh, and again, I think it's a pride factor and he wants to instill some of that and that's what Inter need. Uh, they're going to be a cohesive unit and they're really going to fight. Uh, they got a stellar defense. They brought in Godin. I mean, that's going to be a good team. And when you look at Napoli, uh, Napoli has a huge advantage just in the sense that they haven't replaced their coach, right? They're one of the few teams in the, in the top half of the table that uh, kept their coach, right? You look at Juventus and Sarri's uh, now the head coach. You look at the aforementioned Inter and they got Conte leading the helm. Um, you look at Roma with Fonseca. You look at Milan with Giampaolo. There's been a lot of changes. And so with Napoli coming back, especially with the coaches, you know, experience and with the pedigree that Carlo Ancelotti has, uh, they're going to be a legitimate threat. And, and to be honest with you, they're my pick to win the Scudetto this year. Again, as, as ludicrous as that might sound, this this was a team that went in and, and signed Ma, uh, Mano Lotz from Roma, who with Koulibaly beside him could be one of the best defensive partnerships in all of Europe. I mean, that's a pretty stellar centre-back pairing right there. And they brought Di Lorenzo in, the Italian international from Empoli. Uh, and I think that's a big pickup on the right side of the, the, the right defence. So I think that's another 
big acquisition for them. And now uh, Irving Lozano, the Mexican international. So this team, I mean, and there's rumors about a Cardi and all that, and it, we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, this team is really going to mount a serious Scudetto run. Um, and I really do believe that they're going to end the drought and they're going to end Juventus's run. I mean, again, the season is still Juventus's to lose. However, um, really, this is the first year in, you know, I know a couple of years ago, Napoli was pretty close to win the Scudetto and ultimately failed when Sarri was coaching them. But um, I think the door's open this year and I think they're, they're going to blow it open. I really do. Well, Marco, that's been said. How well do you expect Juventus to perform in the Champions League by managing the stresses of league football under Mauricio Sarri? Mauricio Sarri at Juventus is going to be really, really fun to watch um, for so many different reasons. Uh, one more, and maybe the most interesting or intriguing reason of all, is that he is the complete opposite of every Juventus manager uh, that we've ever known. Right, like he is not part of football's elite. He's not wearing a suit and tie at the games. I mean, he's in a tracksuit smoking a cigarette. Right, so like he's he's just so different than what we're used to seeing at Juventus. So that'll be fun. Um, and on the pitch, he plays very aesthetically pleasing football. Right, people love to watch sorry ball. It's it's fun. It's the way football should be played. It's exciting. Um, with that said, does it always win? No. Um, and with Juventus, we know the slogan is, you know, win above all else. The, the winning is the only thing that matters. Do whatever it takes to win, and, and that's what they do. Um, and, you know, especially in the last few years under Allegri, they haven't really been playing very fun football. Uh, it hasn't been very aesthetically pleasing, but it, it's brought them a whole lot of trophies, right? They've won the Scudetto every single year that Allegri was there. They've won the Coppa Italia four straight years. Uh, they lost it last year, but... Uh, four straight years he was there. He, they had won the Coppa Italia. Took him to two Champions League finals. Um, you know, he got results at the end of the day. But fans were not happy with him. And a lot of fans were frustrated because it was rather um, uh, defense. It was defensive football at times. It was boring football at times. Um, they, there was a lack of creativity at times. You saw Cristiano get frustrated at times last year. So, um We'll see. We'll see what Juventus fans think when uh, Sarri takes over and, and he plays the aesthetically pleasing football, but it doesn't get a result. You know, say they lose playing that, it's going to be. And I'm curious to see um, whether fans turn on him or not, and whether they'll have patience because we saw Chelsea fans last year get very, very frustrated at times. And when you look at the end of the year, you're like, they got frustrated, but he took them to two cup finals, one, one of them. Uh, got them back into the Champions League. I mean, he had a pretty good campaign in his first season there. Um, so, again, we're going to see what Juventus fans think. And I actually do believe that uh, they're a serious Champions League threat. Do they go all the way? That's another question. Marco, let's just end with your predictions for the top four. And what do you genuinely expect from the newcomers this season? I think you're going to see a three-horse race for the Scudetto with... Napoli finishing first, Juventus finishing second, and Inter finishing third, and then the rest of the pack fight for fourth. Now, would I be shocked if Inter finished first and Napoli finished third? No. Uh, but I do believe we're going to have a Scudetto, a new Scudetto winner this year. And um, I'm just I just going to go with Napoli because they've got the consistency. They've knocked on the door before, uh, and I think they're finally going to get over that hump. Uh, now in fourth, 
I'm, I'm actually going to go with Milan. I think they're finally going to get back playing some Champions League football. I think they've made some quiet moves, but the right moves. Um, and I think that Giampaolo's the right man to take this team going forward. Pituzo, uh, I don't think, was a bad manager, but I think they're going to be a lot more tactically aware and tactically sound under Giampaolo. And I think um, they're finally going to get back into the Champions League and into the top four, which is something they've been trying to do for so long now. And I think finally this is their year. With the new boys, I mean, how could you not be excited to watch Badesha play? Uh, Balotelli's return home. Um, I'm not so sure I can say the same about Lecce and Verona. Um, to be honest, I think they both end up being relegated. I mean, it's going to be around at least for another year or two. All right, Marco Diofino, they're joining us uh, on the show. But now time to find out what there is to come around the world in terms of the key games. Here's Moses Yeboah. The Italian Serie A kicks off with eight successive champions, Juventus beginning their quest for ninth Scudetto when they took on Parma at home. Champions by 11 points last season, Juve are likely to hand a debut to Matthias Delict, their most high-profile signing of the summer at the price of £67.5 million. On Saturday, Kevin Prince Boateng's Fiorentina host Carlo Ancelotti's Napoli. AC Milan travel to Odene with Romelu Lukaku leading the lines for Inter Milan at San Siro against Lecce. Real Madrid aimed to follow up last week's promising victory in Vigo when they square off against Valladolid on match day two, but they will be without their midfield maestro Luka Modric due to suspension. After an opening day defeat to Athletic Bilbao at San Mames, champions Barcelona will bid to get their first point on the board this weekend when they square off against Real Betis at Camp Nou with the likely return of Messi to the side after calf injury. Atletico Madrid make the short trip to the outskirts of the city to take on Leganes, seeking an elusive victory after three draws at Botaki in recent seasons. Bundesliga leaders Borussia Dortmund, fresh from their emphatic 5-1 win last week, travel to Cologne hoping to amass all three points against the newly promoted side. Rivals Bayern Munich after a shaky start to the season look to get themselves back to winning ways when they visit Schalke on Saturday evening. Bayern will be hoping the arrival of Felipe Coutinho will help fill the void left by the departure of Ames Rodriguez. Paris Saint-Germain take on Tolu in a French Ligue 1 clash as the champions look to bounce back from last week's defeat at the hands of Rennes. Tolu will go into this match with a quiet confidence following Paris' defeat, but they must have enough about them to get all three points. And the clash of the weekend in the Premier League is at Anfield, where European champions Liverpool square up to Arsenal. Both teams have recorded two wins in two games as both teams set for the third. Chelsea travel to Norwich on Saturday's early kickoff. Man United host Crystal Palace and Man City take on Bournemouth. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. next on the locker room and the fourth Grand Slam of the year is upon us with action to come early next week at Flash and Meadows. The all-time greats have come here and conquered and sometimes faltered. I love what I do. You know, I wake up every morning and I get to play sport and I get to play in front of crowds. I have a great job and I love what I do. It's uncharted territory for everyone. It's history in the making. Quite turbulent, I must say. I mean, this was uh, definitely one of the most exciting matches I was part of. This is drama of a very different kind and it certainly didn't unfold in 58 minutes. Everyone's who was born in Osaka, their last name is Osaka. Hey. <laughs> 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 
a day and an evening none of us will ever forget. The forehand is whipped cross court by Halep, and there it is! Simona Halep is the champion! She simply cannot believe it! Let the games begin. They have both produced a match for the ages. Yes. Only one can win, Federer. There it is. And it's over! There it's it is. over! Novak Djokovic, in a tie-break, is the man to break out in the smiles and surely the tears will follow. We've witnessed history. It's a night that he will never forget. It's a night that anyone on centre court will never forget. At the dominant tennis triumvirate of Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic have won the last 11 Grand Slams between them. And that doesn't look like changing anytime soon. Djokovic and Naomi Osaka go into the tournament as defending champions, but with no player retaining the title here since Serena Williams in 2014. Plenty of exciting talents imagine. I know, it's anyone's game. So joining me now for some analysis is the BBC's senior tennis reporter, Russell Fuller. Russell, thanks for your time. And let's begin with a form of defending champion, Novak Djokovic. And yes, Medvedev stopped him along the way. How bright are his chances, though? So you have to remember he's won four of the last five Grand Slams. And yes, he was outplayed by Daniel Medvedev in that semi-final in Cincinnati. But there have been times since Djokovic has returned from injury and been back to his best when he's been devastating in Grand Slams, where he has had surprising defeat at Masters level. And when it comes to the Grand Slams, as we saw at Wimbledon, despite being two championship points down against Roger Federer in the final, he still came through and won. One slight concern might be that he was reporting tightness in his elbow and a little bit, pe- a little bit of pain on serve during Cincinnati. That was an issue for him, and he had some surgery in the early part of 2018. But assuming that's not a problem for him, then he'd certainly be my favourite. Uh, suddenly, we're talking about the chances of Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal. For Federer, reaching the final of Wimbledon was absolutely huge, even though he lost it to Novak Djokovic. Nadal was, on the other hand, uh, winning the French Open with minimum fast again. Who could nick this? I think Rafael Nadal, assuming that is that we don't see a repeat of problems he's had on hard courts before, and we think back to last year's US Open where he developed knee problems in the first week and had to pull out of his semi-final against one Martin Del Potro, But he's in very good form. He won the title in Montreal, the first time he's defended a hard-court title. He didn't play in Cincinnati, didn't feel the need to. He's 33 years of age, after all, so he has to be a little bit careful about the number of matches he plays, particularly on hard courts. As for Federer, well, that was a crushing blow for him losing the Wimbledon final to Novak Djokovic. His reply was to go caravanning around Switzerland with his family the day after losing that final. He's only played two matches since. I think the big concern here is the heat, the humidity, best of five sets. Last year, surprisingly beaten by John Millman of Australia in the fourth round in brutally humid conditions. Russell, let's talk then about the batting stars who are gradually closing the gap on the Golden 3, but have always been nearly men. What are the chances of Daniil Medvedev, Dominic Thiem, Alexander Zverev, Stefanos Tsitsipas, Karin Hachinov, and even Kei Nishikori? Do you see them causing an upset to win? Well, Zverev doesn't look to be in the sort of form to win here in New York. He's not been able to crack the 
puzzle of Grand Slam so far, despite being very successful on the ATP Tour in the early stages of his career. But at times on tour, he's been very, very inconsistent this year as well. 20 double faults in defeat in his first match in Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago. A Dominic team after Nadal Federer, which is the best player out there, particularly good on clay, twice the runner-up at the French Open, but came so close to beating Rafael Nadal in the quarterfinals of the US Open last year. He's been a little bit under the weather in recent weeks, so he's well, we hope he's going to be 100% fit. Uh, the man to watch, but I worry about the amount of tennis he's played recently, is Daniel Medvedev. Starts as the fifth seed, runner-up in Washington, runner-up in Montreal, champion in Cincinnati. Magnificent. Great mover, tall man, good serve too. Tends to bomb down second serves when he's in trouble, almost as fast as his first. But he played 16 matches in 20 days. That might catch up with him in New York. Let's talk the females division now and the reigning champion Naomi Osaka has struggled to maintain the form that saw her thrust her in the Williams at the controversial final of 2018. Ashley Barty, despite winning the French Open, has looked shaky. Does that give the six-time champion Serena a chance? Once again, so hard to say in the women's draw. Simona Halep, this is the record suggests the weakest of the four Grand Slams for her, but then I wouldn't have expected her to win Wimbledon just six weeks ago. She's had a little bit of downtime since Wimbledon and since coming back she had an Achilles problem in Toronto and eventually had to pull out during the quarterfinals. Uh, lost to Madison Keys in straight sets in Cincinnati but possibly she will get better and better over the two weeks of the US Open. As for Serena Williams, same problem. Niggling injuries, preventing her having matches. She did get to the final of the event in Canada on the WTA Tour, the Rogers Cup, but had to retire after just four games against Bianca Andreescu back problem this time and then didn't play in Cincinnati the week after because that back wasn't right. She's retired or withdrawn from so many events this year, but she has the calibre. We saw that at Wimbledon. She made it through to the final, beaten by Simona Hallett. But she's a 23-time Grand Slam champion. And if the pressure in New York doesn't get to her, as it certainly did last year in the final against Naomi Osaka, then absolutely do not write her off. So, Russell, what should we expect from the likes of world number one Simona Hallett, Karolina Pliskova, Elena Sevetolina, or any of the batting ladies in the sport? Well, I'm fascinated to see how Coco Goff will do after that fantastic performance at Wimbledon. She's unlikely to go as far. She still is only 15 years of age. It looks as if she's going to be a big, big star, but she's been limited since Wimbledon as to the tournament she can play because of the rules in place to protect 15-year-olds from playing too many matches and getting burnt out early in their career. But there's going to be a huge buzz about her, as there also will about the Canadian Bianca Andreescu. She won that title in Toronto on home soil when Serena Williams pulled out of the final. She had a brilliant week then. She won the title in Indian Wells in California in March. An amazing performance, but has had so many injury problems since. Shoulder problem, but then she came back and she won in Toronto, so it just shows the ability she has. If she stays fit, Bianca Andrescu of Canada. Watch her closely. Thank you very much, Russell Fuller, for your time on the show. And that's it for our show here on Joy 99.7. Defend the locker room. We're back next week with some more. Uh, I hope uh, you meet us at the Labadi Beach Hotel because we're having a second edition of First Take, First National Bank. All the guys, all the ladies are joining us there. Let's have a big ball. After the sports discussion from 7 to 8.30, um, yes, Sammy Fawcett will be around. Then we'll do some dancing and you wind down on the weekend. My name is George Adder Jr. To with me again, be good.
Thanks for listening to The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. The podcast will be available online at myjoyonline.com in 30 minutes. This production was powered by Joy Sports and supported by the BBC World Service. Joy 99.7 FM.